Hi, my name is John Lee. I am the CEO of Silver Elephants, and uh, I, I have a 23-year career in the mining space. Started out as an investor, uh, as a retail investor for the first 10 years. In the latter 10 years, was the CEO and founder of Silver Elephant. Started out as a hobby, and then uh, 13 years later, turned into a double full-time job. Uh, Elephant has raised over $150 million on the Toronto Stock Exchange, and the flagship asset is the Fulukayo Silver Project with over $100 million analysis of a measure indicated silver in the ground in Bolivia. Right. Uh, hi, hi, John. Um, we have met, but we were speaking about another company back then, so, but we've not spoken about um, Silver Elephant before. Look, I just want to kind of start off at a kind of fairly high level, just to understand what it is that we're looking at, and maybe ask a, a, a few pointed questions with regards to the kind of two assets and the two commodity classes. So um, should we, we start with how did you pick the assets up? You, you've won in Bolivia and um, obviously won in Mongolia as well. So can you give me the background? Right. I started actually my career in the late 90s in the Silicon Valley. And I was very lucky that uh, the, the, the valleys were going crazy and the, the company I worked for got bought, got bought out by Oracle. Then I moved up to Vancouver and, uh, and then uh, met, met a few silver bugs and befriended with the likes of James Turk and David Morgan and uh, started growing very fond of silver. And I read everything underneath the sun with uh, the Ted Butler. And uh, I was also involved in Ghana with Bill Murphy and and I was doing what a lot of your audience is doing nowadays, uh, putting together that Excel spreadsheet. And, uh, you know, back then, Matt, it was the startup first Majestic. I remember uh, Silver Standards and uh, Pan American Silver. I, even, well, I started before any of them were there. There was just the Hecla and the core. Um, and so I was uh, very fond of silver. I did a lot of studies and... Uh, um, there's one project I like that that is Pulakayo, and that used to be owned by Apex Silver, and and they also own Saint Crystal Ball, which is now becoming active again in the junior universe. And Apex Silver also had Pulakayo, and I was farmed out to another company called Apogee Silver, and I was uh, one of the seed investors in Apogee. So I was uh, in Bolivia very very early, even before more Abel Morales came out in 2005. I visited that project, and as I mentioned, uh, Matt, around. Uh, 2010, I branched into the uh, writing and mining companies as a hobby. Unfortunately, there weren't a lot of uh, interesting silver companies to be had. So I started out uh, on nickel, uh, as we talked about in the previous segment. But when the opportunity came, uh, Apogee was uh, puking out of Pulakayo to get into the cannabis business in 2015. I uh, I gave my call to uh, Stan Barty and Dave Gower and, uh, and the Scott uh, Scott Patterson and uh, you know we uh, we had a call and draw some numbers in the NACA and the deal was done and then subsequently the company uh, changed the name from its previous iteration prophecy into Silver Elephant because silver is really my deep passion. Um, a couple of things about Silver Elephant, you know, we could go through some of the merits, but essentially the project is a very bad stage. A forty million dollars spent on a hundred thousand meter drill, a hundred million ounces indicated measure indicated silver. Matthew. Okay, so so I know it's difficult because you kind of got two assets, two different jurisdictions. But so okay, well let's let's stay with the silver for for now. So you said that you you spent 150 million or raised 150 million bucks for the company as a whole. Is that, is that on the silver, or does that include what what's going on with the with the copper? I oh, sorry, the, uh, the the coal project. Right. the uh, The company started 2009. So from 2009 to 2020. 23 over the 14 year span, I've raised over $150 million through the Toronto Stock Exchange. 
Silver where's Elephant that had a Where, number where's, of... where's that gone? Was 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 it gone on? What have you spent? Well, on? we've done a lot of acquisitions. Uh, our company was one of the highest flyers on the highest trading volume for consecutive weeks on the Toronto Ventures Exchange and Toronto Stock Exchange. We've bought several nickel projects, silver project, coal project, copper project, platinum palladium project, and uh, you know we've we've done a lot of over a dozen M and As, and our investors spent across brought you know one of almost every single fund on Bay Street had uh, once once you know once in the time invested in the in our ventures. Right, but but, but so how's that benefit the shareholders? Because I'm like, I'm, you, you've been buying stuff. Have you been then selling it and returning money to shareholders, or are you sitting on it as a kind of portfolio for, uh, as a kind of arbitrage to you know whatever, wherever the commodity price is going? What's the what's the plan? What's well, the big you know, idea? Matthew. To be honest, uh, in the last ten years, if you're a junior miner. I don't. I don't think much return has been delivered unless unless you're one of the unicorn and got bought out in the right timing. So, I'm. You know, we're we're not we're not glamorizing in our share portfolios right right now. But I'm pleased to say we are still what we were 13 years ago, and actually speaks to a lot about the commitment of the management in putting skin in the game and making in, in surviving through the downfall. Uh, a lot of the assets spun out, uh, and we had a big corporate event in 2000, early 2022. So the Vanadium project was spun out into Nevada Vanadium, uh, and that had over $15 million investment. The Nickel project was spun out of Flying Nickel, that had another $15 million investment. Silver Elephant itself had over uh, $20 million investment that stayed in the core, along with the legacy coal asset, which is actually generating a bit of a cash. Uh, we're out in Mongolia. Uh, the reason it stayed in Elephant is at the time, coal wasn't really sort of getting much traction, but, but in hindsight, it turned out to be... Uh, but the blessing disguises has generated about a half a million dollar in revenue for us this year. Right. So, so you are you sitting on stock and cash at the moment as well as these assets, or is it all all the the balance sheet value sitting in the assets and um, in these two different jurisdictions? How do yeah. We quali- the how do company we has about just over just about a million dollar in treasury. Uh, we right. had raised one point two million dollar that was closed a couple of weeks ago. So a lot of the money that we had raised, well, all of the money we raised had been put in the ground, you know, over majority of that money put in the ground in asset acquisitions, the typical feasibilities in drilling. Um, during the spin-out event, uh, Elephant had capped about half of the Spinco shares, but rather than Elephant keeping the Spinco shares, those shares were actually transferred to an investment issuer called Oracle Commodity Holding, and that is a private issuer. But of which Elephant owns uh, a part of that, about 30%. It's a bit of a complex transaction. I think the takeaway, Matthew, is that Silver Elephant today owns 100% of the Polokaya Silver Project and has a minority controlling share interest in an uh, investment reporting issuer that has royalties and, and, and the shares of battery metals. And, and when, who owns the, the coal asset? Do you own 100% of that Elephant. as well? Yeah, okay, you have 100% of that as well. Okay, okay. And so, in how, how do we value Oracle commodities? Because it's private, it's always hard to know what, what what that's worth, what it's got. And if you've got thirty percent of it, or Silver Alpha has thirty percent of it, you'd kind of want a sense of well, how do we value that? So how, how do we? You do know, that? so our art, the valuation is art of the it's more it's more art than science. Um, I would say based on the equity holdings of Flying Nicole. And uh, Nevada Vanadium, you'd be looking at around uh, 20 million shares at 18 cents times two, around seven to 10 million dollars. Okay. 
Okay, seven to ten million dollars. Okay, what's your market cap today? <laughs> Less than twenty. Higher Less than twenty. Okay, 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 okay. Right. So, so I guess, so I guess we we can, you can talk about how much you've raised and what the value. I say art, art versus science in terms of the how you value some of those assets. The the the, the public the, the well. Your shareholders are valuing you at less than twenty million market cap today. So we need to talk about how you're going to create value because obviously it's been it's a long time. You've been at, been at this a long time. You've picked up various assets, spun out various assets, but yes, it's going to drive drive that value forward. So what what do you say to your shareholders about how you're going to do that and where is it coming from? It's sort of we're lucky. Well, I'm lucky in the silver space. You know, we're we're not selling sort of abstract concept like arts or 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 NFTs. An ounce of silver is an ounce of silver, and we're actually a very hot address uh, in Bolivia. We're right, we're 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 you know a driving distance to San Cristobal, not far from Iloro, Indian mining, and uh, you know going south Argentina. We're about two hundred clicks on the border, and and then the other side is Abra Silver, and uh, there's Silver Standards, uh, and uh, and uh, and Newmont. So you're asking me how we create value. I think first of all. A lot of that sometimes there, there's a disconnect between the valuation between the, the the asset value and the share price, and just like Warren Buffett said, right? In the short term, it's a voting machine, and in the long term, it's a weighing machine. We were Matthew, one of the highest flyers a couple of years ago in the run up of silver from fifteen to thirty dollars two years ago to twenty twenty one. So we're trading, we're trading several million shares a day and close to hundred million dollar market cap. Unfortunately, we had a sort of downdraft in twenty twenty two. Macro driven, where silver would just went about 28 to 16, and equity market was in tethers, just like as you know. But then that was further exacerbated by our spin out event in early 2022, where a lot of vanadium guys or in elephant for vanadium or silver guys in or, or nickel guys in, in elephant for nickel. So as soon as they got their distribution shares, they were they were selling the the elephant shares, and that sort of sort of created a bit of a vicious cycle and then the stocks are hit and then just sort of went downward from there. Never imagine, you know, we're trading high about, uh, and then we had a 10 point consolidation. So stock was close to $5 and now we're trading at 50 cents. So you're asking me how we create value. I think, first of all, we have been hunkering down and minimizing our dilution. We didn't do a lot of corporate activities or, or promotion in, in 2022, but now seeing the bottom in silver and get very definitive, vindictive breakout in gold, first of all, so I say, what? Well, let's reconnect ourselves with the investment community first of all. Secondly, with the money we have raised, we've, we're raising total two and a half million dollars in the last eighteen months by design. So now we have the money. Um, you know, there's there's per, open the permitting we're looking into a bit of sampling, a, a bit of a dr- exploration drilling we'd like to do, and and then and then just try to bring ourselves back on par with with the benchmark of other. Peer success in in Bolivia in the silver space. Right. Okay. Well, given money's quite tight, I, I would say, and you, I know you raised a little bit of money re- recently, but you, you and silver's over, over twenty five bucks, which, which 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 is great, and gold gold's doing its thing too, which usually is a good indicator. But do you need or to rely on the market to do the heavy lifting? For you, before you can make the next decision about how you spend money and how on the ground in in Bolivia, okay? Because it's um, expirations is expensive. It's a constant 
revolving door of ra- ra- raising money, drilling, raising money, drilling, etc. So it's been a tough market in 2022. It hasn't really changed for equities in 2023 so far. Um, but how, how are you intending on playing it this year? Well, Matthew, we a lot of majority of the heavy lifting for Pulakayo is 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 done. <laughs> There's 30 million US dollars of drilling, 100,000 meters. There was actually a feasibility study in the past. And Pulakayo is one of the very few silver deposits that had exceeded the century mark. I think you can probably count a number of those in t- with, 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 with two hands. So I, I think, first of all, there's been a couple of false starts of Pulakayo where they had tried to commission the mining to production and tried a bit of a project financing to try to try to sort of start trial mining back in 2011, 2012. But by the time they're ready to go, it was 2014. So we, you can kind of say that, you know, if you're driving the highway from Houston to New Orleans and, and you make a wrong U-turn, you're getting to this sort of, you're getting sort of middle of nowhere. So what, I think what we need to do is just sort of put the put the project back on track and, and reassure our investors that there's nothing, it's, it's more circumstance driven than the project driven in terms of sort of how it got detoured or how it got derailed into sort of traditional path of, you know, building blocks into production. Uh, we don't need to drill right now. So I think a lot of that's really, and you see a lot of some of the junior miner has doubled and tripled and quadrupled. And, 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 quadrupled. and right now it's, it's a bit of a buyer's market. We just want to make sure that we provide that exposure and uh, and then uh, see how the market and some of our strategic shareholders have to say about the right future direction. I mean, if we're able to enlist a, one, a, a strategic, right? And with with the funding, then obviously the roadmap would change quite a bit different. So right now, I think go back to what you're saying about the ba- balance of, of sort of the boring road of, of going to FS and production versus exploration. I, I think that is that is something that we are we're yet to sort of figure out. Okay, but I guess okay, no, no drilling required. The start, there's been historic drilling, historic um, FS. So you got a lot of data. I guess it's the question of how do you use that data to inform what you guys want to do and how you drive and create this this this, this value, or does it come back to? And there's nothing wrong with this. I just want to understand what you're thinking, which is we've got to wait for the silver market to move more. That will bring more interest and more investment into the space. At that point, we'll make a decision, but. It's a it's a it's a waiting game, and like I say, there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to know is is that your thinking? Well, Matthew, right now we're sub twenty million Canadian. Uh, I, it, it would just be a long stretch to say we have this uh, grand scheme of bringing production by in eighteen months. I think it just it just it's out there. Right now we're selling for our resource for twenty cents, uh, twenty cents an ounce of silver in the ground. We need to bring that closer to our benchmark. And I think there are plenty of studies. Studies can ask the Canaccord or Kendra Fitzgerald yourself on what the right valuation for that is. Secondly, in terms of the exit strategy, Matthew, we talked about that. I don't. I, I think we're just going to de-risk the project, get the permit going, maintain community relationship until silver is twenty percent close to the top, and that would be forty or fifty dollars. Third is uh, Matthew. <laughs> appearance could be deceiving, but I've been around the block for twenty-three years, and we know the project very well. I've traveled forty countries, visited three dozen mines. We have some of the the best experts like Bill Pincus, which we, which is we just enrolled in. He's one of the silver legends and guru, and you know he founded Esperanza was sold to uh, Almaden at Alamos. Uh, is that we know the project very well. It's very high, like there's a portion of it. It's very high grade open pit oxides over 200 grams of silver and and seven million ounces. So we have a very very good idea of economics of the project and and what it takes, what what has what it's going to take to sort of bring that mine into production in the right price range to do that but we cannot be out there 
you know, Matthew and Padiyash has to say that because we don't have that feasibility study to back up. And also a lot of things could, could change. So I think right now it's just a little bit too, uh, a little bit too, uh, sort of, uh, too much ahead to talk about a production scenario, given we're only 20 million market cap. The market is to convince that this is a legitimate story with a team that can take it to the next level. From there, then they'll be open and attuned to listen to what our strategies are. Right. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to say, you know, when does this thing get into production? What I'm trying to say is, how, how do you create value and where is it coming from? And that, that could be like going through the phase, the study phases, not, you know. Um, but again, that costs money. It takes time, um, you know, to be ready for when the market does does take off for, for when maybe someone may come along and say make you an offer and and, and talking of which you you've talked about buying a whole bunch of assets and we've, we've talked about Finacle obviously as a, as a spin out in terms of funding this thing going forward what are, in terms of what your options are because right now it would look like expensive money to go and you know raise additional equity have you got assets which you can monetize in some way, shape, or form. Do you want to monetize in some way, shape, or form, or do you think you're good in terms of this holding pattern whilst silver price and the markets, you know, get better? Right. I, I, the two things, Matthew. First of all, uh, elephant is rightful name. It's going to be focused on elephant. So, I am 49 years old. I have passed the phase of of collecting. Well, not so much garage, but you know, all the good stuff I wanted. And, and the valuation is such a absurd level that I would not be exchanging ownership of Pulikai for something else or fancy. And we're we're busy sort of now putting together the, the assets are in their rightful places in the rightful company. So you know we have a dedicated team that are, that are looking at how we can add value to the asset. So we're not looking to buy more assets and we're not looking to divest assets. We're focusing on Pulikai, and that's what we do. Secondly, Matthew, I can just say you know John, how can you add value to the in the short, medium term? I mean, the long term, of course, exit strategy where they got buyout or put in money production. But in the medium to short term, you know, we talked about, I don't, I don't think it's rocket science, really. Uh, a lot of the guys I've known from year 2000, they kicked the bucket. And, and, and a lot of the guys are, or, or, or they are ex gen, maybe five, 10 years by senior, and they're retired. They don't want any, they're collecting yields and pensions, and they're not, they're not going to sort of, you know, they're done with this exploration story. So, so I think right now, just, we need to get back to the gen, sort of the Gen Z and millennium, millennials that had not heard the story, and and it's, we just got to broaden that. And I, I, I you know, I, I think what I said is is so as so echoed by quite other some of our peers where the valuation had gone up double, triple for no apparent reasons. And I don't, I think our story is actually a lot more compelling compared to theirs. So I, I think, I think first of all. That's just sort of get the story out, see, see where this thing stands, and get it get a feel for the market's looking for. The only way we can know, we, we know that is just by talking to investors like yourself. Right. Okay. But before going after the the, the Gen Z and millennials, you, you've got a bunch of existing shareholders who have seen sort of value destruction over the last you know few few, few years. It, 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 they would argue. As far as you're concerned, you say it's a simple message. So, what, so give us a thing. What is the simple message for how you get back to the previous dizzy heights that you were at? And what are the things that you need to deliver on to be able to, you know, generate that 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 that, that value? Because, you know, obviously we've been talking for a bit here, but if you just concisely get, give me that message for your existing shareholders and go, don't worry, it's going to be okay because. Of what? Matthew, our existing shareholders have been very loyal. Every single one of our private placement existing shareholder participated more than 50% of the private placement. 
I wouldn't call it so much about a destruction because, uh, like I said, our share dilution is around 20% of what it was uh, a year and a half ago, whereas some of the guys like Kuyel or, 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 or uh, Silver One, I think there are many others, GRSL, I mean, they double their share count. So, I mean, you know, where they're not adding more ounces. So, I, I would say, I would say, really again, short term is a voting machine and long term is going to revert back to more of a weighing machine. And what's going to weigh Silver Elephant is its resource. So going 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 forward, so what is our value add? Uh, what is our value strategy? Is I think we need to bring ourselves, steer ourselves back to the highway to 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 the end game because we had a detour, we had to make a U turn. So we I think we got to communicate that idea that we have a very strong support on the local community. Bolivia is the place to be. The resource is bonafide and verified, and we continue to bring industry veterans to our board of directors and advisors to vouch for our project. And then, and then, sometime down the road, I don't want to do it at best at at PFS at twenty five dollars silver. I think would be it's, it'll be it'll be futile exercise. I think you know maybe this time next year we're looking at thirty five dollars silver. Then it would be right time to spend half a million a million update the FS. And I think that's going to show very robust numbers. We're very confident because we're in a jurisdiction where the mining cost, the infrastructure cost is very low, and um, you know all the parameters were. Very well know. I visited a number of mines in, in Potosi and in, in Bolivia, and so, so I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of surprises in in, in the. Uh, there's going to be a lot of surprises um, <laughs> that we don't see. And I suppose Matthew, the way I like to sort of approach our story is how the Germans play soccer, right? We're not Brazilian play soccer. We we want we want to have our game play and want to execute it. We had a lot of hiccups in the past, and I just don't want to repeat that one more. Lights more. Okay, here you Tell me this, though. If we, if we go to Mongolia, if you don't mind if we bounce over to Mongolia, right? Cole, you used a phrase earlier, you said that it, it is, so was it near-term revenue or something similar? You're indicating that potential, there's potential for cash generation from that asset soon, and I, I guess, therefore, cheaply. Right. Is that right? Well, Matthew, me- Matthew let, me, let me sort of go back to the value again, because, you know, this is sort of, uh, this is unrehearsed in that, if you go back to that balance of, of FS production path versus exploration, I mean, Pulukayo is barely explored outside of the main two deposits. So there is a blue sky and there with a geo anomaly, we did a systematic, systemic wide uh, sampling program and mapping program. So there's a lot of very prospective targets that we can pursue and had, had never yet been drilled. I mean, there's over a dozen targets and all of that data is on our website. In terms of coal, it had been sort of, I, I mean, Matt, uh, to answer your question, it is in production. It's generated uh, quite a bit of money, and, and and I can also confirm that Mongolian operation is cash flow positive, and there's repatriating of money back to Vancouver. It's not it's not in a position where it's just self sustaining the uh, sort of the co- company as a whole, but it's adding more than it subtract. And uh, and uh, Matthew, I've been in the energy space for again for over uh, fifteen years, and. Uh, Thermal coal is one of the uh, best uh, com- uh, performing commodity in 2022. If you look at Arch Coal, Peabody, uh, I mean, these are four or five baggers. And uh, oh, so we are very bullish of uh, energy going forward just because the consumption, you know, per-, per capita electricity consumption, if you add the EV on top of that, <laughs> power's got to come from somewhere. So uh, because the project is uh, open, that massive open scene with 20 meters, they're all stripped out, and it, we're just, we're not going to expand it operation per se but we're just going to keep a, a nice small scale that just you know almost like a bit of like a dividend check that we collect uh on the month-to-month basis um, what's the quantum okay you say it's it's why it 
Well, I'm not quite sure what you said. It, it, it's, it's wiping its nose, but it's not quite yet self-sustaining, and you're repatriating some monies back to Vancouver. So can you give me a sense of the, the scale of it and what, 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 what dollar, amount of dollars we're talking about? So what I'm talking about is uh, the, our Mongolian operation is cash flow positive. Right. But, but, you know, but, but if you want to talk about sort of quantify material numbers going back to the headquarters to be accounted for, Maybe we're not quite there yet to to provide us sufficient capital to to claim and say that the company as a whole is cash flow positive. So we're not quite there yet. It's not it's not that you know we can Mongolia's ready check to do Bolivian exploration per se. Um, we have uh, made we have uh, made several the mic the mic started production in December of twenty twenty two and we've made uh, three shipments of coal. Each one is uh, three thousand tons. So this year so far we've uh, sold around. 10,000 tons of coal. It, that itself may not seem a lot, Daddy, because, you know, but you're looking at a thermal coal price exceeding $400 a ton, and even in, in within China, over 200 but in our part of the world, you know, it, you're, we're not getting 200 but we're getting it, we were getting it at the time when it delivered to the end buyer close to 100 So, I mean, you're looking at not insignificant uh, of revenue and cash flow. And I would just, I, I, I like to defer because some of that is, Sort of, you know, going back to the capex, and some of them is more uh, revenue from exploration and trial versus commercial production. So I, I rather to defer the jail. We announced the uh, quarterly quarterly balance of financial statements uh, in, uh, uh, in in Q one to provide further colors on that. So that's you're saying, suggesting that's a sort of net of about a million million bucks at the moment. So what are you, what are you targeting? Revenue well exceeded a million. Yes. Yeah, but what are you what are you targeting in terms? Because I, th- I read in your presenta- presentation, you were just talking about two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. I'm not going to check on our revenue target because thermal coal prices like silver. <laughs> I mean, they go pendulums. So uh, no, just in tons, just in tons. In tons our um, target is about 100, 120 to one hundred fifty thousand tons this year. Okay, okay, okay. Understood. Um, so I would put that at like ten million. Okay, fine. And do you? It's, so it's self sustaining. Well, you said almost self sustaining in the sense that. How, how much money? So are you just plowing the money back into that to be able to do that ramp up? Because that ramp up is not going to come. Oh, from it is self sustaining. So the Mongolian operation is generating cash flow. I'm saying the company as a whole is not self sustaining. So we are we're getting gotcha. check. We're getting a check for every single shipment of coal that we sell. Absolutely. And ye, and so and what, what? So I don't know what the size size of the number, amount of tons that you're looking at under the ground is um, for that project. Oh, it's, it's a 200 that. million tons. That is enough to feed generations. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And if this mine, Matthew, if this mine had been sitting near Newcastle in Australia, it would have worth billions of dollars. Right, but it's not. So you've like, so you, got choices about do you can ramp this up slowly and get some cash or could you offload it or are there not bars out there for, for Met Coal at the moment? Well, the issue is not so much the capability of the production throughput, but it's logistics. Uh, it's always the logistics for for a bulk commodity like iron ore and, and for an iron ore and, and in the case of coal. So over 65% of our costs, well, actually, you know, let, let me just add this up. If you account for deliver to the Chinese border, then 80% of our costs are logistics in wagons, in, in rail, and in trucking. And, and our mining cost is less than $5 a ton. So, you know, there's a lot of gatekeepers from, 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 from $5 a ton to, to a triple-digit coal price and how that, and that's why Glencore, right, and Trivigora make all their money. And... Uh, and these logistics, uh, these logistics, these logistics expansions are pretty very capital intensive, 
and and the and 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 uh, and it has to be well coordinated and planned. Like you cannot you cannot triple down, you cannot double down on the wagons, but not ex- size up the road. So I think there's a and, and then the sidings for the rail and the and then the and then the arranging the railway with the Mongolian railway and then also coordinating on the Chinese customs. So it's a very sort of you know, I w- Matthew, I would I would sort of it's a team to a bit of a like underground mining just because the price went up. You cannot just size up the size of the port. You cannot just increase the size of the portal and expect to the throughput to double. And and in the case of in this co- 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 a port commodity, it's not it's it's not the problem with the mine per se, but it's the problem with the logistics. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, a lot of gatekeepers. Um, we okay. So it's one hundred twenty thousand is what you're aiming for by run rate by the end of this year. So therefore, by the end of this year, you're you're talking about a ten million net dollar contribution to silver elephants. Let's say that happens in 2024. Well, I mean, the price right now in China is any hundred hundred fifty dollars a ton, um, yeah. depending on the location. And then, so if you look at hundred hundred, if you look at a hundred thousand ounce, hundred thousand tons of, of production, then you look at revenue. Okay, about ten million dollars. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And and is. Th- is does that enough to drive any kind of growth? Sorry, I'm assuming because again, your presentation suggests that growth to 200 to 500,000 ton per year is that so basically is Mongolia self sustaining and that's where the money shall stay and be invested to get that scale? Or is there a plan to offload that, sell it, get some cash, and actually focus on silver? What I'm trying to work out is who's your favorite child here? You know, where do you want to focus your time and effort? <laughs> we are a micro cap, Matthew. So it's now we have a team that have a grand scheme plan mapped out. Our focus, uh, let me just emphasize, is silver. The Mongolian operation, we try to reach a steady state. And uh, this year we're targeting, we're already reached that sort of 10,000 times per month. Right now it's a bit of a slower start because there's uh, different holidays, Chinese holidays and Mongolian holidays and and we're dealing with different co-buyers and contracts and customs clearance. And so a lot of the startup teething issues that we're sorting out, but we're still fairly optimistic of getting to 100,000 ton by the end of the year. Uh, and we're not going to go above that. And we, we have this basic logistics already planned and in place to achieve that objective without expansion. So um, I, I think that the, the idea is have Mongolia be just, you know, have a nice check. Go back to Vancouver, but but right now our our team is is exploration is in Vancouver is in Bolivia. Bill Pincus was just in, in Bolivia a, a couple of weeks ago, and now with with the uh, rising in silver and in the gold price, and we we got we kind of like uh, you know dust up our uh, previous uh, ideas and plans in early 2022, and we just we gotta bring that project up back on its path. Uh, towards the risking, permitting, FS, and and you know the sort of the path that a typical junior would embark embark upon. Okay. Eventually, the coal would be spun out. There's discussion about spinning out the coal last year, but it was just too much going on. There's a lot of regulatory framework and burdens on the. I mean, TSX and TSX ventures they're working very hard, but it's taking three times as long to come back to us with every request. So you know what? I, at that time, also we were just rushing out budget and and really minimize our legal expenses, and so we're just saying, you know, let's put out. On the shelf for now. Um, most likely outcome is a spin out on the coal, and we'll have quite a bit of interest now on the coal. And and not all that is North American, all the Asian investors want that. Maybe you know, get it listed on Singapore or in London or in Hong Kong, where they're more more sort of, you know, less averse to the uh, the sort of the uh, the climate change talks. And and 
However we look at it, there definitely is a value ratio on the call, however you want to tag it. And I would just say the sum are a lot more than than the, the, the part the, the parts the sum of the parts are a lot more than what Elephant is trading right now. However, cast all that aside, what we're doing is just avoid and 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 not sort of distract. We're just right now talking strictly. Uh, my goal is strictly to talk about the merit of our Pulakaya project, which I'm looking to do in, in maybe your next podcast because I really want to hone in on this wonderful, wonderful asset that I cherry picked. First invested 15 years ago and Cherry picked it in 2015. And I personally lived in Bolivia uh, for three years. And, you know, I'm the one that brought a lot of the guys that are running that they are, they are spinning out their assets right now into Bullet. I, I brought Silver Corp there. I, I brought a lot of the, I, I was in Bolivia all along, you know, probably probably earlier than, than 90% of the Bolivians' silver stories out there, Matthew. So I, I know Bolivia very well. And I, I believe we can thrive there very well too. Okay. Well, look. Um. Well, maybe maybe let's do that because I, I'm just kind of conscious of, of of time here. I just want to kind of because the first time I've spoken about Vyarfan, um, get a sense, high level sense of what it is that you're trying to do and what what you've got and the sort of the the the, the timeframes. And I think you've you know I think it's been a, a been a useful conversation in that in that regard. Um. So look, John, I'll say look. Thank you for today. Appreciate, appreciate you coming on and um, spending your time talking to us and explaining what's going on there. With obviously, we're excited to see what Silver is going to do this year, and we're big advocates of coal. Uh, you know, met, met, met coal. I think it's it's absolutely got a role to play. And um, in, any talk of uh, anti-fossil fuel or anti-coal, I, th- I think. I think is, Matthew, um, just just in conclusion, I highly recommend. Yeah. I know the asset very well. We were approached by a number of strategic players at the bottom of the cycle, try to sort of, uh, you know, low hanging fruit and just sort of bottom fishing of which our board had rejected. We have no pledge to divest our silver asset. And our resource base of 100 million ounces uh, with the, with the Zingan led by product is in excess of 250 million ounces silver equivalent. Our silver grades are around 80 grams per ton uh, on a silver equivalent, uh, well over 150. So I think we are. We are pegging neck to neck with some of our peers that are treating a lot higher value issues. So I'm always available. I'm 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 back resume on the Twitter and um, you know, always happy to entertain calls from investors uh, that are seriously vetting our assets and looking into uh getting the silver elephant as as in their eggs bath you know, as one of the as one of the eggs in their baskets. <laughs>